Well, Brandon, clearly one major talking point in the game. Everybody been asking for it. We've got VAR. And is there yet more drama to come here? I'm obviously really, really happy with VAR. Ask us to the VAR people, please. Don't ask to me. For me, it's very clear. VAR is for say, is good or is not good. The VAR brings the truth to the game and everybody accepts it. Welcome to the VAR booth podcast. Um, today's topic, we are talking about how to become a pro player. And we're going to be discussing that with Eric Leonard. Eric uh, is a midfielder for Forward Madison in USL 1. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, H. Excited to be here. Awesome. So um, again, so we use this podcast just to discuss uh, and give pointers to coaches and uh, to players as well. So let's start. Um, and I want to, I want to, I want to keep it extremely detailed um, in terms of everything. Your whole process from um, the birth when you first learned uh, how to kick a soccer ball to you playing right now for Ford Madison. So let's just start with uh, where were you? Uh, where were you born and raised? So I was born in Palatine, Illinois, uh, right around here. Um, and from there, I kind of didn't start playing soccer until the age of six or seven years old. I was a multi-sport athlete. Mm-hmm. Parents uh, threw me into baseball, uh, wrestling, uh, a little bit of basketball too. But then right around that eight years old is when I kind of transitioned just into soccer. Okay. Um, joined my first house team, the Celtics, at around eight, nine years old. So at eight years old, you played travel soccer. Yeah, so that was my first travel team, uh, the Celtics right there in Palatine, Illinois. And before that, where did, where did you play? So it was just house, or house league for a team called Panthers FC, okay. um, and this was just with some friends back home. Ah, okay. So at, between the age of birth and eight years old, were you doing things at home? Like, was your, were you playing in the backyard with your dad, friends, or what was going on? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Now, um, it's a lot easier to get thrown into soccer from an earlier age, but back when I was around six, seven years old, there wasn't that many opportunities for soccer. So for me, I had the soccer ball. We had a pretty big backyard, um, and I did have a goal in the back, so it was with me and my sister just kicking around, me and my dad kicking around. So that was the really extensive part of my... And how often How often were you guys doing that? Oh, Every day, especially every day. in the summer. I was outside all the time. I was one of those kids who had who couldn't sit still, so I was always kicking something. Okay, so do you believe that... Okay, wait, wait, no, let's just move forward and then we'll go into what you believe and what you don't. <laughs> Sounds okay. good. All right, so at eight years old, you, you join your first uh, travel club, which is Celtics right here in Palatine. Um, and were you playing 7v7, 8v8, 4v4? Yeah, it? so we played 7v7 first, and that was my first taste of a full field. Um, even though it's not, it wasn't 11 v 11, but this was the most amount of players yeah. I, I played with before. So, and, and how many training sessions did you guys have a week? I think it was like a Monday, Thursday or a Tuesday, Thursday type so scenario. So two training sessions. Two trainings and then an games. An hour, an hour and a half. Hour and a half and then games would be on the weekend. On the weekends. And in the other days where you didn't have training, what were you doing? I was probably playing baseball. Um, so my dad, my dad was a baseball coach. Uh-huh. So I, I always played for his team from from a really early age. So grew up. So the fact that you spent maybe three days, um, one and a half, which comes up to three, four and a half, maybe five hours of soccer every single week at eight years old, um, did that continue until when? At what age? I, I'd say that probably continued around. Probably only one year because from that point at nine years old, that's when I made the switch. Like, okay, I really like soccer. You really like soccer. So at nine years old, you were like, I, I don't want to. This is, this is what I want to do. I only spent one year at Peloton Celtic. And okay. that's when I made my transition to the Chicago Soccers. To soccer. Which is a typical Monday, Wednesday, Friday, at least for an hour and a half, two hours of soccer. And then on, on the other two days, what were you doing? Uh, the other two days, I was still playing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> You got to give kudos to dad, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, and then obviously you had the weekend stuff as well. Weekend stuff as well. Okay, now talk to me, on the days that you had training, were you doing anything else um, other than just coming to the practice with your coach? Not really. Um, My coach at Celtic was um, 
his name was Coach Dan, and he was uh, he, he was the one who gave me the insight early on to you know practice kicking the ball off the wall. So a couple times during the week, I would go out in my backyard. I have a wall next to our uh, patio, and I would just kick the ball with both feet off it, probably about fifty to hundred times a day. A day. Yeah. Just so, mess, just messing around. So but, Monday to Friday, every right. single day, you're just kicking the ball off against the wall. Like I said, I had too much energy. I had to, <laughs> I had to do something with it. No, I get it. No, this is this is crucial because this is the information that that players need to get. So what do you, what do you think you doing that on a daily basis did for your development as a soccer player? I think just comfortability with the ball. And honestly, looking back at it now, I mean, I could have done four times as much and I probably would have felt more confident on the ball but starting that at an early age really helps you gain the confidence with both feet Mm -hmm. as we know in soccer you know it's vital to be confident with both using both feet Um, and I just think at an early age being able to practice kicking it right foot left foot off the wall kind of got my confidence started awesome okay so nine years old you moved to soccer which is a big institution for development of soccer players There's a lot of good players that come out of this institution um, were you scared the first time you joined the team, or like what did you know about soccer at that time, or what was how were you feeling? Do you remember? Yeah, well, to put it in perspective, my uh, Celtic play, my Celtic team played the soccer's, and we lost. I think it was seven one, ouch, or seven two. So to make a you know to make a transition to a club that is just so highly known around the area, it's yeah, it's very very scary. But for me, I knew after talking with my parents and even my coach at Celtic was like. You know, Eric is Eric needs to make that next switch. If he wants to continue playing, he needs to kind of step up to the next level. And for me, the Chicago soccer, you know, each year they have two teams. You've got your A team, your B team. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have a lot of players, there's even sometimes a third team. So for me, it was like, okay, what team am I going to make? Am I going to know anybody? How good am I going to be? So there's a lot of, you know, challenges going into it. And what team were you placed on? I I was placed on the A team. Team. Yes, and when you were placed on the eighteen, again, if you if you don't remember, I understand. So it was quite a while time. But when you placed on the eighteen, did you fear that you could potentially be dropped to the B team? Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's why I I kind of amped up the extra work I did outside of training, which was you know kicking in the back with my dad, but then going over to the community park and kicking on and the goal. Kicking, right. And, you know, back then we didn't really know how to train yourself technically. Right. So for for me, it was just passing a ball with my dad. But I'm sure, you know, going back all those years, that, that did make a little difference in, yeah. you know, my foot skills growing up. Right. And uh, and sort of in terms of just confidence coming into a new team, you know this is a team of really good players because you got beaten 7-2. Um, so you gain confidence by putting in the A team. And, at, like... Was that environment, was, were you a little fearful of the environment, of the kids that are really good at that age? Or like, what were you thinking? Yeah, so I think for me, I was always a little bit behind technically. Mm-hmm. In my first year at the soccer, I could see that. But I don't think it showed as much because my, my motto is always working hard. Right. So for me, like I said, I had a lot of energy growing up. So what I lacked in my technical game, I made up with running and I made up with hard work. And I think that's what you know, really made sure I stayed on the A-team through all those years that I played soccer. Yeah. It's funny because I actually, um, myself, uh, I coach a kid now who he's exactly the same thing. Like, his work ethic is impeccable. Yeah. And his technical ability just needs to develop as well. Every time I see him play, I think of you. If you've never seen Eric play, uh, you know, Ford Madison games are coming up pretty in like a month's time. You guys start off the season, so catch some games. Um, okay, so... How long? Oh, so you stayed. You stayed at uh, soccer's until when? Until college. So until college. Even going into high school, um, most kids go and play their high school soccer and stuff like that. I played for my first two years, but then my junior and senior year, I stuck with the academy team. Uh-huh. And especially growing up, you know, everyone's known to go through the high school process. But as soccer's gotten bigger in the U.S., we hear about the U.S. academy system. Right. We hear about you know staying with your club to develop yourself and get you ready for college. And that was around the time my sophomore year of high school where um, Butler was looking at me and I decided to really make that commitment to them and they wanted me to stay with my club team. And that's where I stayed with the soccer's year round. So I was with them every day, you know, 12 months of the year. The whole year. Yeah, so. Now, okay, before we get get to, to, to that stage of development. Now, so you come in at nine. What was it about soccer's in particular in terms of their coaching that made you stay? I'm going to stay here. Was it just the fact that you knew that you were on a good team or was it specifically something about the coaching, the curriculum, the philosophy? What was it? 
Well, I think one thing you notice whenever you play at the soccer is the organization. I think that every training session has a purpose, and I think that not every club, you know, follows that mindset. So coming to the soccers and having, you know, training sessions where the cones are already set up, you know, you know what you're going to be working on for that specific hour session before you play. Um, and then two, I mean, the competition in the Midwest is, you know, attracts some of the best players. And I think that's um, something I saw at an early age. Um, and then you also have, you know, the friendships that were built here too. my, you know, nine, 10 year old. I still, those teams, I still talk to some of those guys. Um, so I think, yeah, that I played with and see where they are now and stuff like that. Were they, was there any point at any age group where the, the soccer has maybe played you up? Did you guess up at, at, at any point of that, uh, of that time? Yeah, so I think it was, if I can remember correctly, I think it was 13 or 14 years old. Um, it, maybe it was maybe even 15 years old. We had, uh, you know, the state cup and all those things. Um, but I remember playing up a couple times with the team above me, um, which was uh, an awesome experience for me, especially because, you know, the level of change just between one year is, you know, pretty immense um, at that age. And, so I got the opportunity to play with them through State Cup and then, you know, train with them as well at different sessions with a different coach. Um, so it was pretty pretty cool for me to be a part of. You, you mentioned different coaches. How, how do you think it's important that players that are developing experience different coaches? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons why I've been so successful in my career. I think back to every one of the coaches I had at the Soccers and Celtic too, and every coach did something different for me. You know, I could go through each one of the coaches down the line and say how they helped me specifically yeah. um, grow as a player. Yeah, no, that's important. Okay, now, so the first time that you guessed it up, again, talk us through men, sort of like your mental state of mind at that, at that point. You're, on, you're already on a good team. They're playing you up. They're playing you up because they think you have an ability. You're playing with older kids now. Mm -hmm. What were you thinking? How many minutes did you play? Do you remember how many minutes you played the first game? Yeah, so I think I... You know, I think I played uh, the the entire, the entire game. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, sometimes it it happens where there's an opportunity and the door opened where one of the guys was injured, so I got to step up. Okay. But when I performed, you know, I was able to stay. But yeah, I was scared out of my mind because now I'm playing with guys I have no idea who they are. Mm -hmm. and I want them to like me off the first go, and I want to, you know not bring the level of play down. So for me, it was just really channeling that extra focus. So it was more about impressing the teammates. I think so at that time. I wasn't really had my mindset on that, you know, that professional standpoint yet. For right. me, it was still in my inner circle. In, in your inner circle. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so you did that a couple of times. You're in high school now. Which mm -hmm. high school did you go to? Fremd High School in Palatine. How, how good is the high school teams? Yeah, we were pretty good. We That's went strong. to state both years. Oh, I was okay. there so my freshman, sophomore year. Yeah. And then obviously now you are in... You're playing for the academy. So my junior and senior year of high school, I started oh, to play school. for academy. So I did not play my high school junior and senior year. So freshman and sophomore, you played. They for allowed high school. me to play high school. Okay. Um, do you regret that? No, I actually loved it. Um, yeah. That's where I formed, uh, you know, a really close bond with the coach there, Steve Keller, and once again another coach who I would not be where I am without his guidance and growth. Mm -hmm. So tell us, tell us the the sort of like the beauty about playing for your high school? Like, what is, what is it? What is it about playing for your high school? I mean, you know, selfishly speaking, you've got all your friends at all the games. Talk about it. Your family. You, I mean, you step onto a field and you've got your whole row of section who makes signs for you. Yeah. You've got, you've got the, <laughs> the chanting. You've got um, the screaming from the crowd when there's, you know, 30 seconds left in the game all the way down from the count to 10 seconds. You've got um, rival teams in your area and especially – my freshman, sophomore year, I played against guys I knew from the soccer's that were on my team because right. it's a Midwest, um, you know, Fremd plays all these teams within a 50-mile radius, and all those guys played for my, my club team. Uh -huh. So I got to play them with my friends at school and say, okay, how are we going to show up against you guys? And then we go back to the club and a little, little banter, exactly. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. No, so it's such a great experience. So then, so when, you, when you, you're a junior now, mm -hmm. and now when did you make the decision or like – did the soccerers tell you, okay, we want you to rather play with us, or was it your decision that you made with your parents not to play high school? What was it? So it was actually my college. Um, okay. Butler preferred that I played academy just because my academy team specifically at the soccerers was a very high level, and we, you know, at that time had a very solid team all around, and most of those guys were looking at, you know, Division One colleges as well. Right. So they thought the best environment for me to grow would be would be at a club. Playing, play, playing club all the time. Yeah. Um, did, how, how did you feel about that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I loved high school. So at first I was a little, um, a little uncertain about it. Um, but you know, there's nothing I would change about that now because I, I can just see how much I was able to grow through those two years at the soccer's. Right. I think my coach at friend, Steve Keller also, um, was a little sad, but he always knew that I would, he would he only have a, me for two years. Right. Um, so he was very supportive with that as well. Um, and my parents, you know, they didn't really have a side. They they wanted me to, you know, just be happy and grow, whatever. What's best for my, for exactly. my child. Exactly, exactly. Um, how important is it, is it for coaches to support players in that way? Because you, 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 Coach Keller could have been like, no, Eric, this is the, I don't think you should do this. And you that's how it play. usually is. It mostly is, right, right. And I think that really, you know, puts a dent in a, in a kid's experience, you know, growing as a soccer player because then they're conflicted between, okay, what do I do for me? But wait, now what do I do to impress everyone else? And at that moment, it's like, okay, well, first you got to look out for yourself because if you want to play soccer as a career or in college or at the next level, you need to do what's best for yourself mm -hmm. and then focus on, you know, making the other people happy. And sometimes, you know, kids who go through a bad experience, that can change their whole, their whole, whole path. Okay. So now, is, is it at that moment that you thought about, I mean, I know you, you obviously took uh, Butler's recommendation into account, but were you thinking beyond college at that point, or were you just thinking, I want to be college? Or was, were you thinking of wanting to play college even before Butler came calling? Um, I, I did want to play college before Butler came like calling. A, around what age did you um, Probably seventh or eighth grade. I, I right. knew I wanted to play college just after playing a couple of years with the soccers and seeing the level. Yeah. And that's when I started to go on like visits and camps my freshman, sophomore year, Northwestern, Indiana, Marquette, um, Xavier, all those schools, and a lot of them in the Big East. But for me, um, Butler also not only set up nicely for, um, you know, the coach was English. Um, he had a lot of contacts in the MLS. He had a lot of contacts to help me further my game. But Butler also provided a avenue for me to, you know, knock out an awesome degree as well. Awesome. Um, when you visited those college camps, you said Northwestern, Marquette, and all of that mm -hmm. stuff, what were you looking for? What were you trying to do at those camps? Were you just trying to play in front of those coaches? Like, what were you trying to get out of them? Yeah, when I think about it, honestly, I think I was just trying to impress every coach because yeah. then I wanted the opportunity to pick which school I wanted to go to at the end. So when I was going to the actual ID camps and playing, mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what classes am I going to take? I wasn't thinking about, honestly, even playing professionally at that time. I was thinking, okay, what school can I start and get on the field for every minute of the game? And which mm. school can I impress that will take me? And they want me, not that I have to, you know, make them want right. me. So you, so you would you would rather than go into a sort of like a, a big time school and come off the bench, you would, you would, yeah. you wanted, it's like, no, 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 let me go to maybe a smaller school, but, you know, play Absolutely. more minutes. That was the one thing I knew I wanted, no matter what school I went to, I did not want to sit on the bench. And it's, Still something to this day, probably. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't hate sitting on the bench. Yeah. Okay, so, all right. So now you're not playing high school anymore. No more, no more banners. Mm -hmm. No more mom screaming. Yeah, uh, you still had the mom screaming. I still had the mom screaming, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, at soccer's now, you're training three times a week. Four, Monday Four through Thursday. Yep. Monday through Thursday, Friday, day off. off. What did you What did you do on those? I Fridays? rested on Friday. You did yeah, nothing. I did nothing. And then game on game on Saturday and Sunday sometimes. Sometimes, okay. Um, or we traveled because or you it's traveled, right. academy, so we would take buses or planes and travel to different places. Okay. And then, um, were you doing anything around your training sessions that you sort of like realized or not? You know, you were notified by the coach that this is the part that you need. You said like you're a little bit more behind technically. What were you doing to improve that? So um, this is kind of a, a really funny thing. I haven't really told many people this, but most people who know my journey know that my senior year of high school, it was uh, I decided to make that you know that step. All right, I already know for two years I'm going to Butler, but I really need to improve myself technically. You know, who's the one guy in the world who will make sure that if I need to improve myself technically, he will yell at me and he will keep me going until it's. Brett Hall, right? One of the guys that I think of who's made such an impact in my life um, on and off the field. And so my senior year of high school, uh, don't ask me how, but I was able to rework my schedule in school to have sixth, seventh, and eighth period off. So every day, my senior well, hold year. Time. Hold on, wait. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. 
What? So I gra- I grad I was able to graduate early. I had all my credits done and everything. So I was able to have a lunch. I was able to have a soccer gym. Uh-huh. And then I was able to have a study hall, an off period. So every day after school, I left after fifth period, which is 12 o'clock, 12.30, which is when Bridges FC trains. And every and you day came Bridges. I came at oh 17 years God. old. So that was my first. Okay. Okay. Before, <laughs> as you saw, I've never, I've never heard of it. Okay, who did you convince first? Your, your parents, obviously. Correct. Okay, and what did they say? Um, it may have helped because my dad was on the school board a little ah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But okay. I still had to make sure all my credits were in line. I had to finish all my classes. I uh-huh. had to get the president of the school board. I had to talk to the principal. I had to get everything cleared to make and, sure. And and this was solely for the fact that you knew that you were going to play soccer in college, in college. And at this point people knew that my aspirations to go pro. Okay. And everybody aligned. So it, it, this it, it takes a village. Yeah. It, it definitely it took takes a village. A lot of yeses and thank yous to yeah. make my journey come. Yeah, it's happen. hard. It's hard and I really do feel and that's why I try to do it as a coach myself. I try to do as much as possible for for players who do not have that type of support. And to try to help them as much as possible, just in terms of just, even maybe just getting to training, you know, getting right. home after training because, you know, not a lot of people get that type of support. And it's important, you know, that player needs that type of support in order to succeed. Absolutely. All right. So you come into Bridges. <laughs> so you, you're so leaving I'm, school early. I'm training from Bridges from uh, one to three. Uh, my, my mom, you know, was, was a saint. She has my lunch packed in the car in a little cooler. Um, I get out at three o'clock. I'm eating lunch in my car from 3 to 3.30, and I get back out of my car and come back inside to Soccer City for my 4 to 6 practice. So you're training from four, four 1 to 6. Every Monday to Thursday? Yeah. Wow. But I'm training with the guys, uh, Mikey Stevens, Brian McBride, you know, big-time Pros. 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 Um, wow. So That's a lot of soccer. Yeah. That's a lot of soccer. Um, Catching you? up to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. The, my next question was going to be like, like, how was your body like at that point? At days when I felt sore or really bad, I took it off, um, and I would just um, stay at school and knock on all my homework. But yeah. most of the time, I wanted to push through it. I knew this. If this is what I wanted, I just was convinced I, this was it. This, this is what you were going to do. Yeah. Um, so, and, and then talk about the difference between the way you approached coming to Bridges and playing against professional players and going back to your soccer's practice. What was the difference in terms of your mentality over there? Uh, Bridges helped me gain the comfortability of playing against older guys, something that I would not know until going to college. Um, It helped get my uh, aggression controlled in terms of defending, Um, especially defending against big guys. You can't grab them, so you need to learn how to properly defend them, something Brett Hall knocked out of me right away. Right. Early sessions and bridges, we would always start something technically related. So I got the ball at my feet a ton. Yeah. Um, and you think about it, when I'm at a club practice, you know, we're getting ready to win that game that weekend. Yeah. So we're focused as a team of how, how to line up, how to, you know, become and make sure we're the best um, placed for that weekend. So we weren't, we weren't focused specifically on how can Eric improve his foot skills. So I had to take that into my own account. Yeah. And bridges was an outlet that I used. Wow, that's great. All right, so... Finish high school, mm-hmm. go into Butler. Um, I'm assuming you reported early to do all the medical stuff and blah, blah, blah. Right. Preseason started early. Right, about first, a month early. First day of practice. It was what, probably August, mid-August, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. What was it like? I failed my fitness test. <laughs> and that will go down as one of the <laughs> worst memories of my life. Okay, let's not even move forward over there. I tell players all the time, if you're, if you're going to go to a tryout, the biggest cardinal sin that you can do is go to a tryout unfit. Unfit. That's the one thing you can actually control. You can control how fit you are. How you play depends on a lot of things. But So why did you fail? So it was a, uh, a bit different fitness test. We had to run around a track. Um, a, a long track and it was very it was timed it was very hard it's called the track test three four hundreds three three hundreds two hundreds and one hundreds in specific times and my knees and my back running on the track just gave out um, and I wasn't able I mean I, I finished it obviously and I was like off by a couple seconds were you training in the summer of course 
Oh yeah. So you were putting in work in the I summer. I was putting in work. I did it every other day. Was even it's just a very yeah. hot day, and one of those I just didn't happen to pass it. Okay. And I ran it the next day and passed it, but that first day I did not. So for me, it was like I've gone uphill, uphill, uphill. First day of preseason, yeah. first day of actual practice. I failed my fitness test. I feel like I'm starting down here. Yeah. But luckily, you know, I, I was able to show the coaches and the players like what type of player I am early on. So I reran that fitness test the next day. The I next smoked day. it. Yeah. And I was, you know, back where I wanted to so be. So it's just it was just probably just an off day. And I think I was very nervous. I didn't I did not nervous. sleep one hour, right. you know, that night thinking about it the whole time. And who uh, and who was the coach at that time? Paul Snape. Paul uh, Snape. Yeah. What did Paul say? Uh, he you know, he said, you know, don't worry about it, but you know, it, we want you to pass this because you know, if other guys are, you need to show that if you're going to be a you know big time player, a leader on this team, you need to lead by example. Okay, so you're a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, how many how many seniors, juniors was on one Was it a Most, older team or a younger team? A very older team. So if I wanted to work my way into starting lineup, I needed to pass a fitness test. Yeah. Um, and then how did that first season? How much did you play? Did you play a lot? Yeah, so I played every minute of every game. Wow. Um, so and, Paul knew exactly who he was getting specifically. And, and in the middle were guys like Zach Steinberger, um, who's, Jesus. you know, Houston Dynamo guy, yeah. uh, Tampa Bay doing fantastic. Brandon Fricky, another guy who got drafted to the Rapids, and then now he's playing in the USL League one with me. Yeah. So we had a lot of, you know, big-name guys on that team. Dawson, keeper for Indy 11 for a couple of years. So uh, my sole role was cleaning up everything in the middle for the guys to do their job. So so what Coach Snipe did is he, he found exactly what he was looking for to fit in the team. How important is that um, when you're choosing um, and sort of what type of questions can a player ask a coach to figure out if a coach is actually doing that for them when they're choosing what type, you know, which college or which club to go to or which team to play for in the USL or something like that? Yeah, I think sometimes with a coach, you just need to be direct. You know, what are you looking specifically for me to do this year to get onto the field. What do you want my role to be as a winger? Do you want me to be an outside guy who comes in? Do you want me to stay inside and leave the guy for my fullback? You need to ask specific questions because if you don't, then if you're on the bench, you know, one of the reasons is it's your fault because maybe you haven't, you know, performed how you should, but without asking questions and letting the coach that, you know, you are all checked and you're all locked and you want to be on the field. You know, it's your life in your hands. And that's something early on that I would talk to Snape. You know, hey, I'm not the most technically like, what do you want me to do? What can I work on? Can you work on with me outside of practices, turning, opening my hips so I can be that two-way player that you need me to be? Yeah. Okay. No, that's fantastic. Good advice. Uh, Strength is in the details. Um, All right. So you're you're a freshman Mm -hmm. at a D1 school. Right. With strong, strong players, which most of them are, you know, juniors or seniors. Mm -hmm. And you're starting every single minute. How's your your classroom looking like? How was the academics? Like you're 20, you're a star. Twenty credits, twenty credits. My freshman year, I'm in biomedical engineering. I'm going. Come on, fam. I'm I'm going nonstop. What? It's school and soccer that first year, and I've done well. I've gotten straight A's in the classroom, and I'm going with soccer. I'm going with soccer. I you know luckily you know thanks to my teammates, I was able to get the Big East rookie of you know the conference, and then I tore my ACL last game of the season. Oh. So, Ooh. I know. Okay, wait, okay. Before we get to that, I think I think your work ethic itself. If somebody watches you play, will see that you're a hard worker, mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously, you know, dribbles down into different aspects of your life as well. So, the importance and how did you balance uh, still getting straight A's and playing Division One soccer in a very very convoluted schedule. I mean, it's crazy. I had to definitely sacrifice um, myself socially a bit. I had to, you know, spend time at the library when I didn't want to on a Friday night. Um, and when I wouldn't regret that at times, I think as a leader of the team over the next couple of years, I learned to do a better job of making sure I was there for my teammates, my friends, the other players on the team. But, yeah, it, it, it deemed down the sacrifice. I had I couldn't do everything that I wanted to do yeah. because I needed to make sure, you know, if my grades aren't up, then, you know, I can't play soccer. But for me... My grades are up means they need to be the highest one percent. Yeah, know? no, that's fantastic. I, I mean, I, I have so many players I can name right now. But do you, do you know players? I'm sure you do. That you played with at some point, even before college, that you knew was so good, but are not playing at your level right now. I mean, fifties, hundreds, absolutely. Yeah, specific guys in my school. 
And what what was it? What didn't they have? I think honestly, they had fifty percent of the work ethic for 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 soccer, but you can't just be a fifty percent type of guy. You need yeah. to commit that to your entire life. And I think that you know one of the main things at school is not just what you get in your degree, but it's preparing you and it's maturing you. And I think maturity has a lot to do with it because a mature soccer player who wants to play in college understands that they are a student athlete and they know that they can't play soccer if they don't keep their grades up. Now, I'm not right. saying you have to get straight A's and you know do fantastic, but if you want to do what you love, you also need to you know be mature enough to know that, okay, I need to knock out my classes because there's going to be a day that I can't play soccer anymore. So it's planning and it's yeah. organizing your schedule so you understand what's important mm -hmm. at that certain time. Yeah, I think a lot of players don't understand that that, no. that that part, even from high school, even going into college. All right, so you're playing every minute. You're the star. You're the new boy, guy, rookie of the year. Last game, <laughs> you tear your ACL. Honestly speaking, do you think you tore it because you were overplayed? No, I actually went into a tackle and missed the ball, and my leg got stuck Oof. in the corner of our field, Oof. and it just wobbled. So you, you're blaming the groundsman. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just clumsiness. Yeah. Um, of course, there was 25 minutes left in the game, so I did not come out. Um, I finished the game with my knee popping in and out as I'd go up for a header. And I, this was against who? Do you remember? Xavier. No ways. Yeah, so I couldn't come out that game. No chance. So they went did you guys out. Did win that game? No, we did not. <laughs> yeah, because your sense of mid is playing. They took me out. They wrapped my leg. I had no, no one knew what was wrong with it. They put me back in, and I tried to finish the game. I was hobbling around. I probably looked terrible, but I was not coming out that game. So That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, obviously you find out that you, you tore your ACL. Yeah, uh, oh, two weeks later, I was sitting in my math class with my favorite professor, and they put my phone up at the top of the board on ring because everyone thought that it was just going to be my MCL. Um, so they all said, okay, we're going to put your phone here, Eric, so whenever it rings, you can take it, you'll answer it in class, and then if you need to crutch out and go somewhere, someone will get your books, and then just come back and let us know. So the phone rang. And, like, everyone got, like, super quiet in the class and, like, excited, nervous. I answered the phone. I took my crutches, and I left. I left all my stuff, and I did not come back to that <laughs> class. <laughs> so they assumed that it was not good news. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> got surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, how long you were out for? Um, it was probably 10 to 11 months. I took some extra time just to. Almost a year. Yep. All right. In, during this year, and this is important, all right, um, Start. Let's start with what was going on through your head. Now, what what were you thinking once once you got that surgery? Immediately, what was going through your head in terms of you playing for college? Like, did you did you think that you could could continue? Um, did you get support from the coach saying that you'll come back and play? Did you think your place was going to get replaced, or what were you thinking? To be honest, uh, I, I was lost a lot during that time. Um, I talked to a sports, sports psychologist um, probably weekly just to help keep my mind true. Um, but I realized at that time after coming off and having a good season, um, I didn't give myself much sympathy because I knew if I did, then I would be in my own head for the next nine, ten months. So what I did was I got addicted to the rehab. So I told myself, you know, I'm going to do three hours of rehab every single day and I'm not going to think about anything else. When I, my mind started to waver about was I going to play again, was I going to get my starting spot back, I shut it off, turned something on TV, did something. So I tried to not think about it until I was with the sports psychologist and I talked with her about it. Okay. So it's, it's important to highlight, just speaking to you, how every aspect of your life and the soccer ball, there's always a moment where you, you, like, you become like tunnel vision mm -hmm. on something. How, how important is that for, for a soccer player? It's so important, and it, and it keeps you going, especially injuries. We all face injuries, and you need to know that at that point, that's not the end. Even if that might be the end of your career, there's always something that's going to, another door that's going to open up. And that's something that I needed to realize. Luckily, you know, the surgery went well, um, and, and I was okay, and I was able to rehab and come back even stronger. But that's when you just have to focus on the little things 
and put that time and dedicate that time towards that every day. Every day. Okay. All right. So you were out for what, 11 months? You say you gave us extra time. Yep. Um, So end of the season. So did you play some games in your sophomore year? I played. So I actually was out um, in early November, maybe late October of college. And I made it back um, for the fall for the track test of the following year. Did you pass it? I passed it. (laughs) (laughs) But I had to wear a brace my entire sophomore year. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to done in my life. Really? Why? It constricted my calf. I had cramps every single practice. It squeaked. It was heavy. It was a nuisance. It was terrible. Terrible. And I remember going to train in the summers with um, Indy 11, and the, the guys were scared to go into tackles with me because I was like a bion- I had a bionic leg. Yeah. So I wore it the entire entire year. So how did you do the second year of college? Good. Um, it was it was a solid year, but there were times where you could see my movement wasn't as well. I still played basically every game. Um, there were a couple of times they'd have to take me out to really massage my calf and get it loosened up before yeah. I go back in. But you know, I, I played through the pain. For me, it wasn't. I knew that year was just going to be a grind. And that was just you. You, you had the, the 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 brace just for in case it so it doesn't happen again. Correct. All right. And also, playing on turf doesn't help. Too. It does not. That's why they told me to wear it for that year. Yeah. Okay. And then when when were you okay to take it off? Um, probably I took I took it off um, towards the end of the year. Um, so that following spring semester, starting um, almost my junior year, I did not wear a brace. Yeah. So and how did it feel? Felt good. It's I you know I needed to get my confidence back, but when, when I did, I was back to feeling fast and sharp again. Okay. Now no, okay. So now you're back 100. percent um, as one of the leaders, obviously, of the team because you're playing every single minute. What are you thinking about in terms of uh, how to lead this team? you got new recruits coming in um, that obviously they're going to they're go through exactly what you went through. Some of them are going to play, some of them are not going to play, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how did you embrace their responsibility to be a leader for Butler? I think a lot of the time um, I spent um, moments with talking to all the guys on the team and developing personal relationships um, but I also think it came from, you know, and I still try and do it to this day just by leading by example in practices. Um, you know, the way I play, you know, everyone knows I'm not going to be the, the sharpest guy in the field. But if they lose a ball, they know I'm going to be the first guy to get back. Yeah. And I think I gained respect from the guys in that aspect that they were willing to trust me on the field. And, you know, along with Eric Dick, um, the other big time leader on the team, we were able to kind of build this community of, you know, focus and a family and of, you know, working hard. And that's why Butler did so well, I think, the last two years. You know, we set a lot of school records for yeah. us. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, all right, so now you're a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, how many, I'm, I'm assuming you probably had like five, six recruits maybe mm-hmm. around there. Uh, you guys are doing well. At any point at this moment or maybe even before that, were you thinking, I want to continue with the sport after I graduate? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when I saw what I could do after my injury and I could see that, you you know, you can come back stronger, that's when I started to look um, at teams. And, you know, my family and I, we started to uh, create these letters um, that I would be sending out to, you know, professional teams and scouts. And even I just started to watch MLS games more. You know, I really devoted time to watch MLS, but also EPL, you know, Spanish Premier League, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and were you just... Were you planning after graduation, I just want to land up on a team? Did you specifically want to maybe stay in the States? Did you want to go overseas? What was it? I was really mindset on getting picked up in the MLS, in for the sure. MLS. I think yeah. that was my number one goal. I didn't care where, but that, that was for sure what all those years of you know practice had led me up to. Okay. Um, senior year, um, are you thinking about the draft? I tried not to, but I was. Um, I had a packed schedule with school. I had to not only during the season, you know, play, I had to teach in a school for the entire day before practice. So from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., I was teaching in a school, and then I'd come to practice from 3 to 5. Okay. Um, so it was a lot on my plate, so that kind of was actually helpful in terms of taking that away from me. And my focus was, hey, I really need to show well this year. So, you know, one thing that helped me was that I realized the better my team does the better I, the more, um, the more people see me. So I yeah. couldn't just be like, oh, I need to do well. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to take this ball every time. It's 
in all honesty, the the farther you get in a tournament, the farther you get in the NCAA, the more media there is on your team. Right. So for me, I said, okay, we need to do a good job of bringing this team together because collectively, if we can do well, that that helps me down the line. Yeah. And collectively, we did well, so there's more you know media on our team. There's more you know more opportunities that opened up because yeah. of that. And I mean, you mentioned that you know you obviously had good teammates over there, but did you ever think that there were some players on the team that weren't on board with that type of thinking? Absolutely, yeah. And how do you deal with 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 guys like that? There was definitely, you know, um, you know, thirty percent of the guys who you know felt like you know they they weren't about it, yeah. partly because they didn't care, and partly because they didn't like me, yeah, or they didn't want they didn't see me playing. A lot of the guys who didn't. Um, take part of what you know what we believed me and Eric Dick believed was because they didn't think I could play at the next level. Really? Yeah, absolutely. There were, yeah, throughout my journey, I, I, there's been countless people who I, who I feel like who have told me there's no way you'll play. Um, you know the jokes, etc. Right. But for me, that's just all fire. That's fueled to the fire. What do you think? Okay, it, it makes no sense. Is is it because of the fact that they? I mean, is it because they feel like? They gotta put somebody down to big themselves up, or do you think they just really believe that you didn't have the ability or the talent to play? Probably both, more yeah. so the first. Um, so that's why that was one of my motives, even more. You know what? I'm gonna, you know, I want to prove these guys wrong, and I want to get to the MLS. And that is not one of my sole reasons why I want to get to the MLS today. But if you, you know, down on my list, it is somewhere there, right? For sure. You yeah. Know? Mm, okay. All right. So you finished senior year. Mm -hmm. Did you enter the draft? Yep, I graduated early, so I was able. I was eligible for the draft. I was one of the 150 names in it. Yeah. Okay. Speak to speak to sort of like how does how does the draft work? What do you, what do you do in terms of the how do you how do you make yourself eligible for the draft? What happens in that process, et cetera, et cetera? So one of the things you need to do is obviously, if you're interested, you need to talk to your college coach. So that's the you know the first step. Um, then you know. In my opinion, you need to, you need to put yourself out there. It's just not enough to show well in college because there's so many collegiate players, right? Yeah. So I went to a couple combines. I went to the Columbus Crew combine. I went to the Seattle Sounders combine, and then I went to a Vegas combine where there were multiple teams from the MLS and USL that came and you know watched us play for the weekend. So I, I tried my best to show and put myself in front of as many coaches as possible. Okay. And how uh, how did you feel in those combines? Um, most of the combines I felt good, but there were, there were some quality players right. and for a few of the combines we started with, okay, we're going to do the 40 meter, um, who's the fastest guy. And I can tell you, I was one of the guys on the bottom, yeah. you know, you're not, I'm not known for my you know, 40 meter. Right. Um, there was a lot of physical stuff who can jump the highest. I have a low vertical, but if you put me up against a guy to win a header, I promise you I'll win you'll the win header. <laughs> So it's a lot of there were a lot of abstract things that I had to do that I didn't show well on. Yeah. And happens to be if you show well, you know, they're looking at you early on and they're gonna right. follow your name. So I had to do my best to show out in my play and I thought I did well, but you know, it's that's up for them to decide. Yeah, and okay, so then uh, and then how did the how did the draft wait, so do you apply to, and who do you apply to for so the draft? There's um Honestly, it takes a lot of research, and I think that's one of the misconceptions that players don't know about, and I think a lot of players think that, okay, it's all going to get given, given. There's not one thing about my journey that has been given to me. I've spent countless hours, hundreds of hours, sending blind emails to coaches. Yeah. I've spent time on the MLS page, USL page, looking at tryouts, and it starts with that. It helps because then you can tell your coach, hey, I looked up and I saw there's a trial here. Can you get me an invite? Do you know someone? It's all about who you know and doors to open. But if you don't put the time, yeah, nothing happens. Yeah, Joe, trust me as a coach, I'm going through that right now with a lot of players. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So how did you, how did the draft go? So draft was uh, January 11th mm -hmm. on a Friday um, at 10 11 a.m. and I had it hooked up from my laptop onto the big screen at home. And what they do is they announce. Um, 12 to 14 players from each round. Um, they announced two rounds first, and then um, they announced the final rounds, three and four, on that following Monday. So I watched um, with my family for four hours in front of the television, 
as name after name guys that I knew. You know, uh, Chris Mueller grew up playing with him. Fantastic. He got drafted early. Um, and then, you know, a lot of other guys I knew got drafted and drafted. And I kind of watched as my name didn't come up on the screen. Yeah. So that was tough. But for me, it was, okay, that's just the first two rounds. Third and fourth are coming up. Drove back down to Indy that weekend. You know, trained with the coaches, getting prepared. Because, you know, what my mindset was, it's, I'm going to get drafted, going to get drafted. So on that Monday, I think it was around 4 p.m., turned on the television again. Watched as name, name, name got drafted, friends I knew, and I didn't. So that was definitely a, you know, a hard part for me in yeah. my career. And what were you thinking at that point? Um, I'll be honest. I spent about a minute thinking, you know, am I not good enough? Um, you know, what did I do wrong or what could I have done different that could have put my name up there? And like I said, I only spent a minute because all the way back to my freshman year, I remember how I tore my ACL and the pain that caused me. And, you know, you have that opportunity right there. Are you going to continue playing soccer or give up? And I chose to continue playing. So that grind motive, that grind mentality became a part of me. So I, I closed the laptop. I opened my phone and I called Brett. I said, listen, like, you know I want to play. And Brett said he knew I could play. We figured out that he had some contacts in Australia. And a week later, I boarded a plane to go start my career in Australia. Australia. Yeah. And how was that? Such a great experience. And for me, I went to Australia because the team over there was technically very sharp. And I knew that's what maybe kept me out of the draft. Maybe not, but I knew my technical ability needed to improve. So Monday through Friday, I trained with the academy boys who were all technically based. And then I trained with the first team afterwards. Really? So in Australia, the academy, technical work? Yep. Technical, technical like technical. two hours worth of technical. Wow. It was fantastic. That's so I great. really grew as a player. Yeah. And kind of made some noise. I blogged about my journey over in Australia. Yeah, definitely. You came out in news outlets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that worked so out that well. That was fantastic. Um, but while you were playing there, did you think perhaps maybe, did you feel like maybe a little betrayed by your own country of birth? Like maybe they didn't want you or what was the, the, the thought process of maybe playing over here? I wouldn't say betrayed, but I, you know, at that point I knew that I was so convinced that I was going to play pro that I said, okay, I'm just going to have an alternate path. And I looked at my entire life up to that, and I knew that nothing was kind of put in front of me and given to me. So I just figured this was another another one of those things. Like, okay, I'm going to just have to work for it. It was tough, though, um, watching on my laptop all the USL and MLS games and seeing guys I knew. That you knew that you played with and play. against. And so yeah. that was that was tough. But, you know, after that was done, I, you know, I wrote down the stuff I thought I needed to do. And one of the big things that kept me through this whole thing was – um, and I don't really tell many people this, but I have a, a journal that I kept. Um, and for like 462 days on the dot, I titled it every day, uh, one step closer to playing professional soccer. Mm -hmm. And then I'd write down the things that I did that day that would get me one step closer yeah. and log that. Again, that tunnel vision, focusing on exactly what you need to do in order to achieve what you want to achieve. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right, so y you do a season in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, nice weather out there. Oh my gosh, beautiful. How was the level soccer though? It was good. Um, I'd say it was probably around a um, lower USL based lower team. Lower USL team, okay. So definitely not the highest, but not the lowest. Yeah. Um, and then you only spent one season over there. Yes. And then you came back over here. Then I came back in August and tried out, started trying out with teams. Again, same grind. I But this time I made more of a you know, determination. I'm going to try out with teams and, you know, make make a uh, make some noise. So I tried out with teams like Nashville. I went back to the crew. I tried out at Birmingham Legion. You know, I trained with Indy 11 for two months under Martin Rennie um, to develop a little bit more. And that's kind of when he opened up the phone and he's like, hey, listen, I know this guy named Daryl Shore who's going to be um, making a team under Peter Wilt at Ford Madison. You should go to their invite tryout. That's where the phone kind of Brought me closer and closer. Peter Wilt called me. I was able to get invited to the tryout. And early December, I went to Ford Madison's tryout. Yeah. And then, um, and then you know, I was able to perform uh, pretty well. I think they liked what they saw. Daryl um, invited me to preseason immediately after the tryout. Um, and then actually a couple of days later, they ended up calling me and offering me a that's contract. That's fantastic. Um, how did you feel when that happened? Yeah, ecstatic. Um, I, you know, a dream come true for me, but it was short lived because then I knew I was like, 
I'm about to play on a team with guys who've probably already played professional for a couple of years. So now what's my next step? You know, now it's not one step closer to playing professionals, one step closer to getting a starting spot. Right. Right. So I had to change my mindset. And before you go further, just to touch on the point, like for people to see what I had to go through to play pro, and this is not me, you know, speaking bad about it, but in order to play two mi- two hours away from my house, I had to go play 20,000 miles away. Right. Right. I, this was not one of those things where I'm just going to wait for an invite from a preseason. You have to put yourself out there. If you truly want to play soccer, right. it's not this extravagant lifestyle. You have to work and you have to grind every day and you need to be exhaustive with your resources. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Fantastic point. Um, First season in medicine, you had a good season, mm-hmm. uh, put out good numbers, uh, a lot of highlight reels, <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, lot of clips. Um, as you guys, as you're playing this season in the USL, um, are you, like, is your, where was your goal at that point? Because I know you've always had a goal to play in the MLS, but you're doing really well in medicine. They like you already. They Obviously, you're going to spend a second season over there this, this upcoming season. Did your dreams realign at some point, um, and where are they right now? Yeah, so I wouldn't say they've realigned. I think that um, Daryl and Neil um, know my aspirations to play in the MLS. Um, I think for me, my goals this year is for our team to win the championship because that's a big goal that we've had. Um, but I also think personally, one of my goals is to you know, make another impactful year for the club and for myself and to grow as a player so I have the opportunity to be invited to a preseason at an MLS team. I think that, you know, right now all I really want is um, an opportunity, Um, and I'm the type of guy who kind of eats those up, and, you know, if I can continue to go for another year in this league, maybe a door will open up. Maybe it's just to the championship, Um, but that's one step closer to getting to the MLS. I'm only 24, and I, I feel like I'm only improving. Yeah, so. you got a lot of years to, Absolutely. to, to do it. Yeah. No, Eric, that's fantastic. Is there, um, looking back right now from when you started kicking the ball to where you are right now, is there anything in that journey that you would do maybe a little bit different? The only thing I would probably do different is spend more time with the ball. I think yeah. players underestimate, you know, how much more you can get better by playing with the ball, but also um, just getting touches. Um, I also recommend them to, you know, watch, watch soccer, watch and learn because there's so many things that you can learn from just watching 10 minutes of a, a United game or a City game. No matter what fan or team you support, those are actual quality players and you're able to learn from them. So the more you can spend time around the actual game, you know, the better you become mentally as well, the more soccer IQ you have. And that's just as important as your physical standards as well. Yeah, that's great. Now, Eric, thank you so much. Um, And I believe a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this and what it takes to actually come pro because a lot of people assume that, no, especially in this country, you just, maybe you play DA, you go to a D1 school and you you get drafted and then everything is great. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's, it's not really that way. It takes a lot of work and Sometimes, like you say, you have to travel 25,000 miles mm-hmm. just to play two hours away from your house. Absolutely. Nah. So I appreciate you, Eric. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, H. Uh-